going mech fans welcome back to another episode of your favorite new zealand based stompy robot loving podcast we're back again and today we are bringing you another in our target lock series uh, and in this episode we've got line of sight and a low trajectory arc on variety streamer cosplay enthusiast and aspiring pinup model ashlyn black She's relatively new to streaming uh, and new to the nwo experience but she's quickly making a name for herself as a vivacious host and a producer of MechWarrior content. Now we chat to Ash today about what brought her to streaming and what goes into her content creation. We also chat about what led her to the MechWarrior universe uh, and in particular her thoughts on uh, the MechWarrior community. Uh, We also talk at length uh, about the new player experience in MechWarrior and what it's been like for her learning the game. Uh, She gives us some feedback on ways that she thinks that that could be improved. Uh, entry into the game is something that a lot of the player base do worry about, so uh, it's good to get a really interesting perspective from someone that is engaging in the game a lot uh, and working her way through the tiers. So before we get into the episode, uh, on another note, I did pick up the Corsair Mech Pack, and that is well worth grabbing uh, if you haven't already. Most of you no doubt have got the broadside, so you've had a bit of a chance to uh, test the mech out, but do go and grab the rest. Uh, first and foremost, it's so ugly, it's beautiful. And uh, once again, credit to the art and design team from PGI for bringing this bad boy to life because uh, it's got such a unique and remarkable look. I mean, they did an outstanding job with it. Uh, it is pretty chunky and uh, I guess it can be a little squishy, but like, I found the agility pretty decent. Uh, they feel at least like when you're twisting and moving, there is some decent speed there. Uh, loving the 7A with the, the 4 AMS, particularly given uh, the buffs that happened to AMS and the amount of LRMs that are getting run at the moment. Uh, I've been running dual heavy gorse on the 6R uh, and you know any assault with those two ballistic hardpoints uh, in each torso is fantastic. Uh, the 5T with the three ballistic hardpoints in each of the arms is awesome for some uh, AC2 spam, which is pretty strong at the moment. Uh, but my favourite of the bunch has actually been the main hero, the Ravager, uh, running two UAC-10s and five medium lasers to kind of give you a poor man's death strike uh, or madcap build. So yeah, been enjoying that one and uh, been having some pretty good games. Uh, there, of course, on the other variants, you can run some pretty good gorse and laser builds. So yeah, really enjoyed that mech. Uh, it's an excellent release, I think, from PGI. Certainly not OP, but uh, has got some some awesome characteristics. So yeah, get out there and buy that one because uh, I think it's worth picking up, uh, certainly before it comes out for C-Bills. As always, a huge thanks to our patrons, uh, John, Shaky Snake, Brios and Jacob Sawyer. Uh, your support is hugely appreciated and it does help us bring this podcast to you. Uh, remember that you can sponsor us too for as little as $2 per month. Uh, that's less than the cost of a cup of coffee. Uh, There are lots of benefits, including uh, contributing content to our episodes and to the podcast. Uh, And once we do hit 10 patrons, we'll be giving away a mech pack to the patrons once a month, every month. So get in there, 
uh, you can help some uh, sweet ass Kiwi bros uh, to continue to bring uh, the best MechWarrior podcast to your ears. Right, so let's talk with Ash. Uh, her content is lots of fun, and even though she has just started, uh, she's pretty much already better at the game than me. So uh, yeah, do be sure to check her out uh, and support her on Twitch by dropping her a follow and a subscription. Uh, also follow her on Instagram and Twitter and stay up to date on the news and do join her Discord where you'll find a lot of great content. I'll put all of the links in the show notes, so make sure you check her out right now. Pause, follow, and then come back and uh, hear our discussion. Right, let's get it. As mentioned uh, in the intro today, I am lucky enough to be joined by the vivacious and energetic Ashlyn Black. Ash, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Cos. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here and I'm honestly flattered. Hey, it is certainly our pleasure to have you along. So we're very keen to uh, talk to Ash today and as I mentioned in the intro, she is another uh, MechWarrior content creator and we're going to have a little chat to her today uh, about some of the content she creates. She's relatively new to the game, so is going to be able to give us a pretty interesting perspective on that new player experience. But before we dig into that stuff, Ash, can you give us a little uh, background into what got you into gaming? So I always liked video games when I was little, and my parents had a no video games in the house policy, and I don't know why they had it. I think they were worried I'd sit in front of them all day. Oh no, I'm a huge disappointment to my parents. Um, and so I, whenever I'd go over to my friend's, my friend's house, um, I would end up probably paying a little more attention to the video games and a little less attention to my friends, which wasn't that great in hindsight, but uh, I just, I was always hooked from a young age and I don't know exactly what it was about it, but just feeling like, I guess, like I'm the hero or something, you know, being able to, to role play and do whatever in, in the fantasy world of the game is, is very freeing. Was it uh, consoles that uh, were the start for you? Was it someone playing a Nintendo or a Xbox or something like that? Yes, um, it was Duck Hunt and then like Batman Returns on the original NES at my friend's house when I was like two or three. I was super oh, wow. little. Um, <laughs> yeah, after that, you know, I got a, a PC and it was uh, Doom and flight simulators and stuff like that. Joined the uh, PC master race that kind oh, of Oh, yes. <laughs> I started young. <laughs> and uh, you, you, I mean, you mentioned Doom. Was it, has it always been kind of first-person shooters that have been your, your favorite uh, genre? It's it's changed as I've gotten older. Uh, like I said, I started off with Doom, so I was I had beaten the original Doom when I was four or five, and I really liked it. Um, I really liked flight simulators. I had a little flight stick and everything. Eventually, I got into World of Warcraft and hack and slash games, and I kind of just played whatever. You know, PlayStation Two had every game known to man on it. So any genre of game you ever wanted. I'm sure I played something something like it on, on PlayStation 2 and then eventually got real heavy into PC gaming. Did WoW for 10 years. And first-person shooters, I recently have gotten back into in the last two, two or three years. I've been real big into first-person shooters. Obviously, a lot of people kind of have similar stories uh, getting into it. Obviously, you're pretty naturally good at games. So you're pretty new to MechWarrior, as we'll cover, but already you seem to be shit you're almost better at the game than me and i've been playing for two years but yeah a natural gamer kind of i mean usually my brother and my friends would watch me play um and i felt really bad because it's like do you guys want to play and they're like no no we'd get our butts kicked you're fine 
<laughs> I love a challenge. I really love a challenge. Uh, I never got into Dark Souls, but I did get into the original Devil May Cry, and that game was the Dark Souls of the time. And I, I loved it. I beat it on repeat, every difficulty, 100% complete. It took me a long time, but I just, I love the challenge. The challenge doesn't scare me off. It encourages me. So I don't know if I'm a natural or I'm just stubborn as hell. Yeah, well, certainly I think the attitude helps make uh, for good gamers. And, and I imagine that, you know, the top level players in MechWarrior at least are the same, just that kind of belligerence and, and up for the challenge. Exactly. So from gaming, uh, and of course, uh, you know, we've maybe a bit of a natural gamer, but uh, from gaming to streaming and, and, and streaming you playing games. I mean, how did that come about? I really like the social aspect of games. So single players aren't as fun for me because I actually, I get really lonely really easily. So if I'm playing a single player game, there's no one else around. I'm like, eh, I, I, I need some people here. So I've always really had a, a draw to multiplayer games and especially MMOs. And I, uh, I had always wanted to try my hand at streaming because of that social interaction. You know, I thought maybe YouTube or Twitch or something. And YouTube, like you get interaction through the comments. So I knew I didn't really want to do YouTube videos, but with streaming, the interaction's immediate. So someone sees me do something and they type it into chat, They're, they type the response in and I get to have a conversation with them. Um, and so I thought about streaming for a while and one of my friends did it casually and occasionally and he said, yeah, it's pretty easy to set up and it can help you set it up if you want to do it. And uh, he basically said, I think you'd be good at it. You should give it a try at least. And I said, okay, you know, why not? What's the worst that could happen? And here I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it's putting yourself out there and it's really interesting to say that really interesting for you to say that you're doing it for the social um, aspect. I have talked to a couple of streamers now and, and one streamer in particular, Fiora Bunny talked about uh, these, this, the spectrum uh, of entertainment when you are streaming that you can be on one end where you're really entertaining and, and there is a real focus on the social and then you can be at the other end where you're very very good at the game uh, and there's that focus on the expertise uh, and you know you can be somewhere uh, at either end or you can be somewhere in the middle and uh, I remember talking to Cyclone Jack and he was talking about you know very much trying to be in the middle where you got that balance between the two do you see yourself uh, somewhere in the middle or do you prefer to be at that end where it is about uh, the social interactions and the entertainment per se of, of the stream? So I prefer the social portion of it. I will do my best to always focus on chat. Then my my competitive side gets into the game and really wants to be, no, we're like, you know, top tier streamer. We want to be, um, you know, like the best of the best. I want to be number one world on, on MechWarrior. And I'm like, okay, calm down. But my uh, my, my inhibitions are to be good at games. I, I really, I want that. So I'd like to think I'm either somewhere in the middle or I bounce between the two extremes at any given moment. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, depending on what's happening. I mean, it's good that you can kind of switch to either or, I guess, and just kind of switch on and really start focusing on, on being good at the game or you know, and likewise switch to what's happening in chat and, and interacting with the people that are viewing. I mean, given that that's the case for you and particularly that you like the, the social aspect of it, does it... Does it make it any different in regards to producing the content or having to stream? I, I get the impression from, from talking to a few people now that there's a, a lot more to it than, than people see. There's a lot more uh, work, I think, than uh, it appears to be, than just kind of getting on and turning on a camera and playing a game. But uh, with that focus on being social, does that mean that 
it requires more energy for you? Do you need to be in the right headspace, that kind of thing? Um, absolutely. And I'm actually incredibly introverted. You probably wouldn't be able to tell that from watching yeah. my stream or interacting. I wouldn't with me have on picked that one. <laughs> I'm yeah. super introverted. Um, social interaction does drain me, but at the same time, I I crave it. I genuinely want it, um, and that's part of why I I take to Twitch so well. I think because you know I'm having these conversations, but it's it's typed out, so you know I can take the time to read it and take the time to respond to it, and I don't actually have. 60 people in my room all talking to me at the same time. Like, that would drive me nuts. But you've got to be in the right headspace. I get overwhelmed easily. So if I've got a lot of people in chat all talking at once and I can't keep up with it, I start to feel kind of like like I'm not doing my job. Like, I'm not doing very good at it. And I, I start to kind of stress out and freak out and get kind of drained from the social interaction. But I'm getting better about it. Uh, I'm actually a very slow reader. So the fact that I'm mostly focused on chat is it's so backwards i have dyslexia and i have synesthesia so reading is actually kind of difficult for me my synesthesia manifests in a color-coded pattern over every letter or number so if i'm looking at the alphabet i can tell that yes this is in a black font but i see a color overlay on top of every letter and it's always the same color for each letter and for each number so sometimes I will see two words that are nothing alike, but the color code is similar. It's really weird. So reading for me is hard, long story short. Yeah. And, you know, credit to you that you're able to, you know, your, your streams are pretty seamless, uh, very seamless, I think. You know, it's, uh, the way that you interact, I think, is certainly one of the strengths uh, of your streams and interesting that on your side of it that you're going through that. I mean, interesting that you talk about being an introvert as well. And I think it's probably more common in the, in the Twitch sphere. Uh, then people think, particularly when you get those real, if we look at the shrouds and these these real high level players, you can kind of tell that they're introverts. You know, if you saw them out on the street, they wouldn't be the kind of gregarious type out there. And interesting that you say that you are an introvert, yet here you are effectively performing to hundreds of people um, a day that are watching your stream. Is there just those um, barriers and filters there that make it much easier to deal with those people as I said you're seeing them through the stream and, and you're not having to deal with the noise in real life does that make it easier for you to be an extrovert an introvert posing as an extrovert I guess I think it does yes because there's not that social pressure of I asked you a question I need you to answer it right this second there's an understanding that I'm going to do my best to get to get everything that's in chat and read everything if I miss something it wasn't on purpose um, it's going to take me a minute. I'm in the middle of a match before I can get to it. And there's kind of not that social pressure. Um, and body language is a huge thing too. I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm the most graceful. And so I'm not great with my body language either, <laughs> but, um, yeah, just not necessarily being in person. If I'm in person with people, I know I'm totally fine. But if you drop me into a room of strangers, I don't necessarily do that that well. Uh, so Twitch having that barrier of it's okay. You know, we understand. Like, it's people who are genuinely there just to hang out and talk with me. And so they're going to forgive me for my social awkwardness, which is nice. It takes a lot of the pressure off. It definitely sounds like you work at it. And, and I guess that, that leads to the, the next question that I had, which is around, you know, f what are the goals and, and the, you know, what are you trying to achieve in regards to your streaming? Is it purely entertainment? Are you doing it for fun? 
Uh, you're hoping to uh, you know, take it to a level where it can monetize those kind of things? Ultimately, uh, so this, this is my full-time job. I've been full-time streaming for six months and like a week, a little over six months now. Wow. Six days a week. And up until this week, I had been doing eight-hour streams. Um, so I was streaming for about 60 hours a week. And then on top of that, I would work on the stream and do networking and other parts of, uh, of the job outside of that for another 20-ish hours. So I've been putting in 80 hours a week. I would honestly like to be able to just like afford to live, you know, pay my rent, pay for food, stuff like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. If one day I woke up and I, I was ninja rich and ninja famous, I'd be like, okay, well, this is fine too. Um, but yeah, just being able to, to support myself and sustain myself is kind of the goal with this, at least to this level, doing it full time, doing it 100% in is, uh, it's not draining, but it, it is a full time job. I spend most of my days off working. Um, and yeah, I love it. I'm crazy about it. So I would love to get paid to do what I love. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the, the key thing there, isn't it? That uh, if you can follow your passion, and if you can get paid to do something that you love, it's what we should all be trying to do ultimately. And uh, it's it's cool. I think that um, you know people, for viewers and, and spectators, that they understand that it is a full time job to to make it successful, um, or to make it even viable. You you know you've got to be doing eighty hours a week, and you know most of us won't be working eighty hours uh, just in our in our jobs uh, outside of gaming. So yeah, there is so much more to it. I think than just sitting in front of your computer and, and uh, turning on a cam. Oh, definitely. And when you're up there, uh, I saw a post and it said streamers are not just someone playing video games. They are. And it had like 12 different jobs listed out and they were all accurate. And of course, I only remember like two of them, but like you're, you know, a babysitter, an entertainer, a model, teacher, you know, because you're going through and, and talking about stuff, a facilitator. It just there are so many roles that you're actually playing. It's not just sitting in front of the camera and playing video games. Because when I play video games and I'm not streaming, it is nothing like when I'm streaming. I don't talk, I don't say anything. There's no one to talk to. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mess up for days on the, on the game. I'll get super focused and not pay attention to anything else for hours on end. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in my room and I should probably eat. And it's a very different thing. Yeah. And not to mention that you are effectively a small business owner. So there's everything that goes with trying to, you know, grow your brand, make your business successful, all of that really heavy stuff that is probably outside of when you're there eight hours streaming. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So from uh, being a, a streamer, and you are a variety streamer, of course, there's a, a few games obviously that you play, but um, to hone in on MechWarrior, I obviously have been watching you play that uh, a little bit recently. You're even in a comp team and doing pretty well in a pretty successful uh, comp team there in, in NA Div C. What uh, brought you to MechWarrior? How did it uh, come about that you, you started playing this game? So my first introduction to MechWarrior was when I was really little. I saw the cover of the MechWarrior 2 box, and that was the first time I'd ever seen like a giant stompy robot before. I was big into dinosaurs when I was little. Um, but I saw this giant stomp, stompy robot and I'm like, oh my God, what is that? That's so cool. And my friend said, oh, that's a mad cat. Um, I now know it was a timber wolf. He's a filthy IS, but that's not the point. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, that's so cool. And I watched him play and that was the only interaction I had with it until MechWarrior 4 came out. And at the time I was doing some video editing in high school and one of my friends was big into Battletech and he was playing MechWarrior 4 and I'm like, oh my God, this, I think that's that same thing. 
and I got real big into MechWarrior 4, and I played a lot of it. I was terrible. I was absolutely trash at it. Uh, I think I tried the multiplayer once and said, nope, I'm not good at this. Uh, but I really just loved the game. And uh, when MechWarrior Online came out, when it very first came out, I installed it, and I think I tried two matches, and for whatever reason, I wasn't feeling it. And I know at release, it was a very different game from now. And I was streaming one day, and... Uh, this guy named Cyclone Jack came into my stream and was talking to me. I was like, hey, how's it going? Um, and he kept showing up. One day he dropped 65 people on me, which is big numbers. Um, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, hi, how's it going? And, you know, they were all part of the MechWarrior community and they seemed to like me and whatnot. And Jack said, we should really co-op this. I want to get you to try MechWarrior. And I was like, I don't know. Um <laughs> I was really hesitant. I installed the game and I opened it up. I took a one look at the menus and no joke, I, I alt F for it. I'm like, no, it's not for me. Um, and so Jack sat down with me, spent, you know, probably an hour just going over everything. Like, okay, here's the menus and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is this and oh, that does that. And what's this do? Oh, okay. And I started to put it together. And once I got past the menus, I'm like, all right, you know what? This is fine. And I started to really get more and more into the game, but I was, I was worried. I was like, I don't know if I want to be this into something because I really like this, but I, I don't want to, I don't know, I guess burn out on it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know yeah, what I don't know. I don't know what playing the game at a competitive level is like. I don't know what faction play is like. I don't know what all these different aspects are like, so I don't know if I truly like the game yet. And after... I think after two weeks, I started introducing myself as a MechWarrior Online streamer as opposed to a variety streamer because in a month, I have put in 300 hours into this game. Whoa. I have not been this into a game since World of Warcraft. <laughs> like, I love this game. This game is freaking amazing. Um, just piloting a giant stompy mech is awesome. I love the challenge of theory crafting. I was actually a data analyst for a while. And so I love just crunching numbers, trying different things out, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. And uh, yeah, it's got that real mental challenge for me, but then also the combat is super fun. Um, and there's such a variety playing a light versus an assault. You know, it's a totally different game. And there's so many different mechs to choose from. It just, I, I love it. I really love it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are drawn to the game for that same reason. There will be people that have uh, a connection to the lore or, or to previous titles, and you were obviously uh, introduced to MechWarrior 4, but once you get into the game, the hooks that exist around, as you say, the work that happens in the mech lab, the different game modes, all of these things that draw you in and can keep you in, because uh, once you get in there, you just begin to realise that there's so many different uh, aspects to the game uh, and so many reasons to keep coming back to it. Uh, you, you obviously have played a lot of games, and what, what do you think are the key differences that MechWarrior has, or MWO at least, um, particularly compared to other first-person shooters? Is it, is it a particularly different game, particularly to stream? Streaming is interesting because when I'm in the mech lab, I feel like I'm not entertaining. I feel like I'm not yeah. doing what I should be. That's usually when chat gets the most active, though, because they're like, you should try this, or you should try this, or that sucks, this is better. and you know, it's, it, it becomes overwhelming sometimes, but they're very much about, I like this, or I like this, or I've tried that too, and there's actually a lot that you can use in the mech lab to relate to people. So I'm getting used to that sort of slower pace. We're not really doing 
what we're doing is more subtle now. You know, when I'm playing Rainbow Six Siege, um, I either, you know, got a headshot or someone headshot me or something. It's very clear what's happening. It's very action-packed and it's very, you know, there and palpable. And some of the more subtle stuff on the, uh, the mech lab makes me worried that maybe I'm not being as entertaining, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Outside of that, I think it just really depends because some matches, you know, you do what you can, but you just got steamrolled and, oh man, it's, it's brutal. And you're like, haha, guess we'll move on to the next one. I promise I'm okay at this game a little bit. Please don't leave. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very different from first-person shooters. Uh, it's a lot more methodical, but at the same time, aim is still important. And it's a very interesting combination of the two. Um, most games are either a Twitch shooter or more of an action-y, you know, you aim, you shoot a whole bunch, and it's it's still kind of faster-paced. This is very methodical and um, intentional. Um, but still requires accuracy and precision. Unless you're a light pilot, then you just do some crack and then get in your mech, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. I can't pilot me- light mechs at all. I mean, you're so right, though. It's, uh, you know, first-person shooters are typically either that fast-twitch kind of counter-strike extreme or a loot-and-shoot, you know, where aim isn't too important uh, because you're just, you know, blasting through enemies to try and try and get to the loot. And, you yeah, know, it's, it's, as you say, around the mech lab, that's almost a whole different aspect of the game and it is slower, and it is, uh, you know, the mech lab is like guys standing around a barbecue. You know, one person's um, holding the tongs, and everyone else is, you know, telling them how to cook the meat. But it, it's amazing how people will tune in for that. You know, people will watch streams, and they'll want to see the streamer tinker in the mech lab for 10 minutes because they love this this Lego pieces that are being put together and trying to min-max and, and get a machine to an optimal state and then you take it out and then there's the action uh, of the first person shooter so it is it is really unique i think in that regard and it did always make me wonder from a streaming perspective that change in pace you know that you go and you're a data nerd for a little while and then you go into the game and then you have to show those kind of coordination skills around around aiming and, and being successful yeah exactly and for for my formula on my stream it actually works out really great because um the issue I was having with the the first person shooters all the time is there's no downtime. There's no like, let's just do something passive and chill. I can just chill in the mech lab and still interact with the chat and still have content available for them that's appealing to them. You know, whereas if I just sit on the main menu screen in a first person shooter, no one really wants to watch that. There's nothing there. There's nothing happening. So it's actually a really good balance for the formula that I have of gameplay, social, gameplay, social. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, Ash, we have mentioned that you are at least relatively recent to MechWarrior Online and, and uh, you have been playing it a lot and you're obviously getting very good in a very short amount of time. But one thing I was really keen to talk to you about uh, was the new player experience in MechWarrior. Uh, it is something I think that uh, a lot of people have opinions on. You've alluded to it already around that it can be a little bit overwhelming uh, and it's fair to say that the consensus around the community is that there is a bit of a barrier to entry because of the level of complexity, uh, because of how much there is to the game. Uh, it is teamwork based. So even if you do everything else right, you can go into a game and still get smoked. Uh, and the growth of the game is something that people often talk about. And, and they lament, I guess, that uh, it's harder for the community to grow. 
that it becomes a kind of it plateaus with a hardcore group and it's hard to bring those casual players in uh, because of that price of entry. Can you give us at least your perspective on learning the game um, and really keen to hear about maybe what you think PGI could do better to make it easier to enter the game or, or even to reduce the barrier to entry whilst maintaining those good things about the game, you know, the complexity and stuff like that? Right. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and answer that in two separate parts. First, starting with the learning and then second with what kind of improvements could be made because I could talk about that for days um, <laughs> in, in a very constructive way. It's a conversation. Um, so we'll start with, with the other. Learning the game, like I said, when I first started up, the menus were absolutely terrifying. Just start up the game instantly overwhelmed. Um, so there's just a real hard wall that you run into right away. And um, the academy goes over a lot of the mech stuff, but doesn't necessarily go over a lot of the lab and a lot of the other menu-based stuff that you're going to be going through. Figuring out what's important to have on a mech. Why can't I have an Excel engine on an IS mech? Or, I mean, you can, but bad things happen sometimes. Um, yeah, why shouldn't I have it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of yeah. little nuance. And I've, I've picked this up very quickly. And I think a lot of it is that the piloting aspect is similar to a game I used to play called Guns of Icarus Online, um, which is a, a naval combat game, but it's in the it's aerial naval combat because they were airships, uh, steampunk, very cool game. But the sort of team-based component and the just handling of the ships was very similar to the piloting of the mechs and kind of how the teams work in, in MechWarrior. Um, that allowed me to really focus on the mech lab and sort of understanding that. So I think I kind of had a little easier time learning the game starting off because I wasn't learning both components at the same time. Uh, granted, I still do really goofy stuff in my mech sometimes because that's not where I thought my mech was going. Um, <laughs> but overall, the, the hard part for me has been just finding out the nuance. And there's so many different rules that you kind of have to remember so like ammo will it, ammo can explode if critted i think it will explode if critted uh except for gauze and so people were telling me to put gauze ammo in with um i think it was my left or right torso and i'm like wait but that's going to explode and take out my arm and they're like no it won't and I, it's like but i thought you just said it would explode and it's like well yes but not gauze ammo i'm like oh okay but your gauze rifle will and i'm like oh my god <laughs> there's so many little rules to to, to learn but as you start to learn them, it, it gets easier, you know? Like, I don't find that I'm forgetting things. I find that I'll look at something and remember, oh, yeah, I need to have this in here because of this, or this is a bad idea because of that, um, and I'm getting more comfortable with it. So I think the hardest part of the learning curve is really just dealing with the mech lab and the real meta of the pregame. And then as far as the game itself goes, it's really just trying to get the assaults to get to the front of the match. That's it. Just get the assaults on the front line. Well, it, it certainly is one of the challenges with, with Mech Warrior is that you can do all that work in the Mech Lab uh, and you can work out those things that need to be worked out right through to the minutiae of, of where your ammo is going to come out of when it's fired, where it's used from first to what crits and where and, and what's going to explode. And then the game is something completely different and the best tactics uh, for utilising the the group of mechs that you've got you know that uh, you particularly in solo play uh, you're working with 11 other people 
And whilst you can talk on comms, it's no guarantee that A, anyone's going to talk or B, that they're going to listen either. So oh gosh, you, know, you yes. run across you run across these barriers here that everything that you work out in the mech lab might be 100% right and you might happen on a completely meta build or a viable build, but then you go into the into the game and it you know just goes tits up from there. So those barriers that exist there, personally I think that those barriers are good to a degree because you get a sense of accomplishment, right? If you if you learn those things and as you learn them, and I'm two years in and there's still tons of stuff that I'm learning, uh, but as you learn them, you feel more invested and you feel like you're getting more out of the game. But the worry for me is that it's harder for the casual person to come along and get those same things out of the game. And one of the one of the rules, for lack of a better word, or one of the, the best tactics, particularly for a free-to-play game, is that you make that pathway as easy as possible for a new player. You know, you, you want them to get to a point where they're getting reward out of the game as quickly as possible. Oh, absolutely. And MWO, yeah, MWO has a little bit of an issue with that, I think. And whilst you're a very competent gamer and you were probably able to short-circuit it in some ways because you're already familiar with some of the structures, I mean, what do you think that PGI could do to still maintain that uniqueness and maintain that sense of accomplishment, but allow new players to come along and quickly feel and get good things out of the game and not just go into a match and get smoked? That is the million dollar question. It's, uh, there's a lot of different things. Um, so I came up with kind of a list of stuff nice, that are- love lists. <laughs> Stuff that are at the very least conversations, because while I have X opinion about something, I may be missing Y information, and until I know that, you know, my opinion's going to be what it is, but once finding that out, it might change. Um, so most of these suggestions, I'm going to stay away from anything that's related to the cry engine. Um, you know, like, it would be great for there to be melee in here, but not knockdown, not going to talk about that. Optimization, not going to talk about that. First and foremost, I honestly would say to revamp the UI because I love this game to death. It has one of the worst menu systems I've ever seen. And that, that literally scared me away from the game when I first started. And like you said, I'm, I'm at the very least a decent player for the amount of time that I've been in the game. Um, and so that's, that's players that are going to say, nope, not for me. As soon as they log into the game, that's not what you want. The Academy could definitely be a bit more extensive in talking about not so much what you're doing in the mech as far as piloting it goes, but why you're doing it in the mech. Um, I didn't realize on an assault that I was supposed to share my armor, that taking damage is a good thing. I thought, well, you know what? I'm just not going to take any damage because damage is scary. And I, you know, if I can avoid damage, then that's what I should be doing, right? That makes sense. That's how every other first person shooter trains you to do it exactly yeah exactly another thing i think should happen is your first mech is free you log into the game and any mech other than a champion mech or a hero mech you can literally pick it and own it and it's yours and the reason is i'm the kind of player and i know there's a lot of other players like me where like i'm in love with one of the mechs absolutely in love with it it's the timberwolf and so when I first started playing, I was saving up. I was actually saving up for the Mad Cat, too, because I didn't see a Mad Cat. And at the time, I didn't know that it was called the Timberwolf. And I thought, oh, like I said, it's not in the game, but the Mad Cat, too. So I'll go with that. Um, and so I was doing match after match after match, trying to save up this 15 million C-bills to go finally pick up a Mad Cat. 
And the mechs that I was playing on, I honestly really wasn't enjoying. It's very nice that they have those trial mechs that cycle, and so you get a good variety to try stuff out. But until I actually got my Mad Cat, the game didn't start for me. Everything that I was doing, I didn't really care. I wasn't invested. I was like, yeah, okay, that's interesting. I mean, I'm learning more stuff, but like, I just, I want to get the Mad Cat before I can really tell, do I like this? And especially for people who have a favorite mech, until you get in there and find out, did PGI do this mech justice, you're not really necessarily going to know how much you really could like the game. Like, I, I got in the, the Mad Cat B, I got a DACA build, I went into matches, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> um, but until then, it was kind of, you know, eh. You know, I've got a Jenner that I'm playing, not real hot on it, whatever. I mean, that's, if I can just interrupt, that's brilliant. That is an absolutely brilliant tactic. So you're saying, effectively, let a player pick any mech they want because A, a lot of players probably come in with some connection to some mech that they've seen either through a previous game or someone else play or something. Um, And that's going to be a hook that is going to want to make them learn the other stuff that's a bit more difficult to learn. Is that is that kind of what you mean? Yes, absolutely. Because that's fantastic. That's absolutely it. And as long as it doesn't cost, you know, MC. Like, I totally understand they're not going to give away yeah. Hero Max, and that's totally fine because you can try out the base mech and go, you know what, I really like this. I think I'm going to try out the Death Strike or yeah, um, that's the Kraken fantastic. or whatever. And you could, I mean, you could even go further and allow someone to pick uh, a mech, a camo, a bolt-on, and a color or something like there that. There you, you go. Know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Give Your them... first one of each is free. You, yeah. you give them a little taste because yeah. the camos are super cool, but you think you like one and you go with it and you're like, this is the only one I'll ever use. I've done that probably six times. <laughs> <laughs> I switch camo constantly. I'm like, you know what? Actually, I want some other camos now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But giving them that taste of, of what they want to tell, do, do I like this? I think that's the hardest part starting out about MechWarrior Online is just figuring out do I really like this? I loved MechWarrior 4. You know, I know I like MechWarrior. Do I have the taste for this, basically? So, yeah, I, I would say first mech is free. Another thing I think that should happen is that they should focus on comp. And this one's kind of subjective. Um, a lot of mainstream games focus on competitive. They have a competitive element. League of Legends, Rainbow Six Siege, World of Warcraft. They have that competitive scene. And esports is getting bigger and bigger and bigger every single year. And so little things that could be changed in the game to help highlight competition, I, I think would be good. Like, you know, if comp matches are going on, maybe there's a, something that pops up on the main menu of the game that says, hey, you know, click here to, to view the comp matches, you know, or just some way of, of promoting we do competitive. For those of you who are here for the hardcore, I want to be the very best. We have that and we're proud of that. And that becomes another way that people see and get exposed to the game, get excited about it, and they're willing to invest the time to learn about it because, you know, they've, they've seen these players play it. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're seeing this high level play. And that, to a person like me, I'm, I'm really competitive. That's super appealing. When I see that high-level play, I'm like, oh, okay. And I, I watch them and I see what are they doing? Why are they doing that? And then that's where I get hung on the game is, why are they doing that? I need to find out why they're doing that. And either I go play it more and figure out or I go ask questions. Um, yeah, so that's definitely another hook. I'm very excited for the faction play update that's coming out. And I'm hoping that faction play will become more 
the focus of the game because it's so much more interesting than just doing quick play drops over and over. And for the first three and a half weeks, that's all I did was quick play drops. And I'm like, okay, so there's Mech Lab and quick play and Solaris is fun arena stuff. But like, I'm, I'm wanting a little more depth, maybe a little more like we're progressing story or you know, feeling like you're actually engaged in this universe that exists for Battletech. Um, and then I tried out the faction play and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is super cool. We need more people to be playing this because this is really fun. And yeah, I, I think just, you know, some balances to it, some changes to it. I think that is the core of the game. And I feel like it's a missed opportunity that it's not the focus of when you first log in, you don't find out about faction play unless you click on that button. Um, I don't know that the Academy covers faction play. I never actually finished the Academy. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> don't tell Jack. <laughs> But yeah, faction play was very interesting and has a lot of depth to, to kind of keep people there, I think. So you've talked um, generally about some things here, obviously the UI and, and that uh, making it easier to understand uh, is one thing. You've talked about hooks uh, and I absolutely love that free mech idea comp and, and some of these other reasons that people see it and it gives them a reason to want to play or, or, or to continue to play or to continue to learn about it. Uh, and you did mention the Academy, I guess, around showing more of how to play the game or what's involved in the game and faction play, one of these game modes that's really rewarding um, being a part of that. Uh, do you think that the Academy does enough in general to prepare you for the game? Is that a big gap? Do you think that you can't come along and find out enough about what the game has to offer via you know, the in-game tutorial? I do. I, I think that the, the tutorial does you... It does a good job of showing you how to pilot and how to be a mech warrior, but it doesn't show you how to work as a team. It doesn't show you what's really important in the game and what your positioning even should be. I mean, it briefly touches on, you know, light mechs are faster and harder to hit, and so they'll go harass the enemies. But it, it, I didn't find that it really told me what is my role as an assault pilot? What is my role as a heavy pilot necessarily? I wanted some more depth on, okay, I'm in the field. There's 11 other people here now. What the heck am I supposed to do? You know, what am I, how do I be a good teammate, basically? So I definitely think that there's a bit more that could happen in there. And maybe even just through short video clips that play inside of MechWarrior, you know, that just kind of goes over the different stuff or having the option of having those there. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'd always wondered about was uh, PGI using the community in that regard, you know, that uh, whether there was links or references to MWO content creators that PGI could steer people towards to say, hey, go to Ashlyn Black's how-to guide on how to pilot an assault or something like that. Yeah, I always uh, wondered because, yeah, again, I don't think the Academy covers the most fundamental parts of the game, which is around the importance of teamwork, the role that you're supposed to play, how to build a mech in the mech lab. You know what I mean? There's, there's these kind of fundamental things that aren't covered and you either have to learn it through trial and error or you have to be guided through it by someone that's already more experienced. So I'd always felt that PGI could shortcut that second one by getting you in touch with someone um, that, you know, can show you how to do it via a YouTube clip or something like that. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's brilliant. Um, and th that will provide for the users or the players what... The Academy never can, which is how do I get my questions answered? If it was not for Cyclone Jack sitting down with me for an hour and going over the game, I don't think I would be here playing the game right now or talking to you. 
just because I had so many questions. I was like, I don't want to bug anyone. I don't know where to ask, you know, and you don't want to go one-on-one with someone necessarily. So being able to drop into someone's stream and live, ask a question or see them doing a thing and talking about it, if you don't want to necessarily speak up, there'll be other people asking those questions in there. And so that will help build the community that'll get more knowledge out about the game, more readily accessible. And I think that would help new players and the content creators at the same time. Um, But definitely having somewhere to get the questions answered besides just forums. Because no one wants to download a new game off Steam and go, you know what, I'm so excited to play this. Okay, I'm going to log in. And then spend three hours on the forums trying to figure out how to play the game. Especially with a free-to-play game. You know, if you've paid money for a game, you're already invested. uh, As Captain Cat calls it, there's that sunk cost fallacy. You've already put some money in, so you're looking for the value. So you're more than willing to, you know, you're more willing to maybe spend that time. But when it's free to play, the the hook, it has to come out and grab you by the ball straight away. You know what I mean? And and it has to to squeeze and keep you there. So, um, yeah, you know, maybe shortcutting the PGI, shortcutting that for new players and steering them towards uh, people that they can go to for that advice would be a really good way to improve the, the new player experience. I agree. The last major thing, I know we've been talking about this for a little bit, but I love the game and I want, I want it to be more accessible to new players. I got chased off and I'm glad that I came back. I want new people to not get chased off. This is more for the higher tiers. We're going to talk about NASCAR for a second, if that's okay with you. Yeah, it's, it's a popular topic. Yeah. Yes. I'm actually, I'm huge into cars. Like in real life, outside of the stream, I do a lot of stuff with cars. I love cars. I have several cars. Um, I don't want to get into that because we'll get super sidetracked. <laughs> But that's not the NASCAR we're talking about here. Uh, we all know what NASCAR is in, in MechWare Online. And if you don't, it's basically both teams are going in a circle, turning to the left the whole time because the enemy's coming towards us, but then we want to fight them, but then we don't. So we're going to go towards them and it, it drives everyone insane. And the more I've been playing, the more I've been noticing, I think... And this is a conversation, so there's going to be different opinions on this. But from my experience that I've had, I think the maps are actually to blame for the NASCARing. Two very prominent examples would be uh, Solaris City and Polar Highlands. Uh, Once you get to the satellite dish in the middle of Polar Highlands, it's a little bit of a hill, but it's a circular hill. It's pretty easy to, if you're not really feeling like, oh, I don't really want to peek. I don't want to poke over. I'm just going to kind of go to the right. Um, it's very easy to start NASCARing on there. Same with HPG Manifold. If you take the top, the team below you still might, you know, NASCAR. And if neither team really feels like taking the top or feels confident in it, they say, well, we'll just go to the right. The, the maps make it very difficult to hold the center, the key important part of, of that map in almost every game mode. Um, and they don't make it rewarding enough to actually hold that center. You don't want to make it so that the team holding the center is completely barricaded, but at the same time, New Frozen City is a terrible center. It's down in, like, there's no cover. It makes it to the point where no one wants to take it. So let's just not. Let's just go around it. Uh, Now, New Frozen City, there's not a lot of NASCAR. They mostly meet up in Fox 7, Echo 7, and just beat the heck out of each other, uh, which is more fun. But um, Solaris City, again, there's a center in there, but no one ever really takes it. I see a lot of matches where it's mostly just assaults getting 
funneled, stuck side by side down these little hallways shooting at the other hallway. And it never progresses. And it's just too easy to decide, you know what, this that's too difficult to take it directly. Let's just go to the right. And getting the team to decide, no, we're going to push over this hill together or we're just going to turn around and go face into them is very hard to do for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, NASCAR certainly makes the, the new player experience hard because, as you say, some maps just lend themselves to it. I mean, Caustic Valley is another one uh, really where people are encouraged oh, to yeah. c- come to the middle and then just start moving. and. You know, flanking is a is a kind of natural tendency for any any game uh, to try and jockey for position, but it, it just it just starts the motion going. And when you combine that with the fact that uh, there's often not a lot of comms in game, uh, when you see the mass moving, you have to move or get left behind. And so it's almost this self fulfilling uh, prophecy. If that one person goes, it just starts the the trail going, and that does make it much much harder. And yeah, I agree with you because if we say if we take a map like Rubelite, uh, I think we see less NASCAR on Rubelite because of the map design. It doesn't Definitely. lend itself to it. So yeah, yeah. I, I, even even if they would say take existing maps and maybe just plonk some terrain features in there, eh, to block the to block the path. Yeah, and it really would like um, Canyon Network, for example. The center is kind of down in the middle, but really it's up on top by the dish. Um, and once you get there, it's you can still NASCAR around that. You know, you might have to go down into the the canyon on either side a little bit, but it's too easy to decide we're not going to commit and take the center. And that's what the center should be. It should be a commitment of we as a team are going to take this, but then it also shouldn't leave you totally and completely exposed. It should be kind of more a balance there should be ways for them to root you out um, and maybe that comes from a little bit of a height advantage so your your assaults are not getting up on top and just pummeling you they have to go a more direct approach which would encourage them to do that direct approach Um, but you're not completely safe in the center either and and really trying to encourage people there's got to be a reason to take this point and I think the reason is lost on most people, and that's why NASCAR starts, is because we're supposed to take the point. Okay, well, why? Well, they, they said we had to. And it's like, okay, well, let's just kill them. But they're coming over here, and I don't want to fight, so let's just go to the right and see what happens. Yeah, I really think that the maps can do a better job of, of funneling people and directing people to, here is the center of conflict, conflict. Yeah. And for new players, I mean, that could literally be something that was covered as part of the tutorial. You know, you could go through the maps and, you know, you could have a, a, a map strat, for lack of a better word, uh, in game that just showed typical pathways and, you know, maybe said, even highlighted that it wasn't beneficial to, to go around in circles or something like that. Definitely. I think another thing is that flanking is too hard. Uh, I'm going to take Polar Highlands again as an example. There's hills and there's some ditches and valleys, but if you're going for a really wide flank, at some point, there will be a point where the entire enemy team has you visibly there. If they're looking for you, they will see you. So I see that we've got these huge maps, but there's not a lot of people using anything other than the dead center of the map. And the reason is there's no benefit to it. If the team was pushing to the center, and I on a heavy or a medium was like, okay, I'm going to take advantage of this um, to help us get the center other than just direct conflict. 
being able to say, I'm going to go around and flank and not be given away 99% of the time, it, it's very hard to do. It, it's a, a little bit of luck most of the time. And if that was more accessible, if it was less of, well, the team's right over there and we don't want to fight them and more, we don't necessarily know where everyone is, but we're, we need to be ready to fight. It, it's less of, they're there and we're just going to decide we don't want to fight and we'll keep going to the right so we don't die. And more, we have been presented with combat. We are now in combat. Um, being able to have those, those flank routes be rewarding, I think is important. Because um, then it, it will encourage a different dynamic. It will encourage the lights to yes flank, but then you need to also make sure you're helping your assaults. So the heavies and the mediums kind of need to do their jobs. And it will make separation of assaults even more deadly for a lot of teams, which would hopefully encourage assaults to stick together in a lot of cases. Yes, one assault going to flank can be super effective, but only if your other assaults are sticking together and if it's coordinated. Well, that's um, some fantastic insights, um, Ash. Thank you uh, for, for giving us your perspective on the new player experience. It is certainly something that's talked about often in the community. And uh, I think all of us all of us that love the game want it to grow. So it's, uh, it's awesome to, to hear someone that's come along and has stuck at it uh, to kind of give their perspective. Thank now, um, before we did finish up, we do have a bit of a tradition where we uh, throw just a few quick fire questions at you. So I want you to answer these and not think about them too much. There'll only be three. Um, and I think you might have answered the first one anyway, but your favorite mech? Urban mech. No, I'm kidding. It's a Timberwolf. <laughs> uh, you've been pretty effective in your mad kit, I must say. I've been seeing you play that a lot. Thank you. It's a close second. Yeah, yeah. Even in comp, I see that they're chucking you in the mad kit, so you obviously know your way around it. I do. I, I enjoy it quite a bit, but the Timberwolf is always going to be my, my number one favorite. That was my first mech, so never forget your first. Make the Timberwolf great again. Uh, clan or yes. ice? Oh, clan, for sure. Um, personally, I like, I like whatever mech I like. I don't care if it's clan or IS. But most of the mechs I like are clan. <laughs> See, that's why people don't like clan. It's the easy one button, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they just look way cooler. I, I'm all about aesthetic and like the clan mechs look mean. Yeah. They look good. They've got intimidation on their side. Not that an atlas isn't intimidating, but... <laughs> My co-host, Captain Kit, is a designer by trade. And so he loves the way that clan just brings those elements, particularly those animalistic elements, into you know, the, if it's a timber wolf, the wolf-like aspects that um, Alex and that team can bring in. So, yeah, I, uh, yes. I, which is I, I prefer the ugly mix, uh, the IS there. You know, it's just something <laughs> a bit more bespoke about them uh, and unique. So, yeah. Uh, so, last question: uh, Did you have a favorite other MWO streamer other than yourself? I do. Uh, Violent Blue Mac. She is one of my favorite streamers. Fantastic, um, awesome person to hang out with. She has one of the friendliest environments I've ever seen on all of Twitch. You go in there and you feel like you're just part of the family. It's very welcoming. It's, it's very free of toxicity. Um, and that's just so refreshing on, on Twitch nowadays. Um, and she's good at the game. She's on the comp team and just a super fun person to hang out with. I enjoy her stream immensely. Um, close runner up. Haven Kendrick, that voice. Oh my God. Oh my God. All right. Yep. Just had to throw that one out there. Yeah. I mean, behind George, uh, that is the voice of Mickwear, isn't it? Old Haven Kendrick. Uh, even behind <laughs> yeah, the mask. Basically. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, 
I like when someone will just totally embrace a character, um, you know, and it's, it's amazing that he pulls that off. Well, it's not amazing. I love how he pulls it off so well. You know, just, just yeah, just adopts Definitely. it in the voice and everything. Awesome. Well, yeah, everyone who listens, you probably know Haven, you probably know Violent, uh, but certainly go check them out as well. And, of course, uh, make sure to check out uh, Ashlyn Black as well. Ash, can you give us uh, a rundown of uh, where people can tune into your content? Yes, um, I am on Twitch. I'm there usually six days a week, and my link is uh, twitch.tv slash Ashlyn underscore black. Fantastic. Like me, guys, uh, make sure that you go in and follow and check out her content. All right, Ash, thank you so much for coming on today. Really hope that we can do this again. And uh, yeah, hope to catch you around. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good one. Trying to rain, trying to rain on the thunder. Tell the storm I'm if you did enjoy this content, then please consider supporting us. You can do this in a multitude of ways, including subscribing to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leaving reviews, as well as subscribing to us on YouTube and liking our videos. You can also support us by sending us feedback, either through comments, tweets, or directly through email. Tweet and follow us on Twitter at IncomingP, or email us directly at IncomingMissilePodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us directly by becoming a patron or sponsor. You can find us on Patreon at Incoming Missile Podcast and choose one of three tiers of support. Patrons not only get mentioned on the podcast and get access to exclusive content, but can even join us as a guest host on the podcast. You can also opt to sponsor an episode through one-off donations, all of which will be used as giveaways for our listeners. So if you had a product, service, or content that you'd like us to mention, contact us to discuss sponsoring an episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to hearing from you. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time. Shutdown sequence initiated.